freezing in here. What is going on? I don't know. It's it's good when you're on TV, but just radio, I don't know. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Real Kipper and the Bourne show brought to you by what? The Friendly Butcher? Are we hanging beef in here now, Sammy? <laughs> yeah, I walked in there and I was astounded by how cold it was. Very cold. Like it felt like a fridge. I think you could, I could, uh, you could preserve some nice cuts of meat in there right now. I feel like a Canadian after watching that uh, Canadian soccer match last night. It feels mm. good to be in here. Oh, right we need now. a snowbank so you can jump into <laughs> right after the show. Yeah. Someone spills a water, we might have a snowbank. I think it was, a, I think it was a little colder in Edmonton last night than uh, than it is in there. But yeah, man, yeah. oh man, that was sick. You know where it's not cold right now at the Scotia Bank Arena, where the Leafs are nine and one. Woo. No soccer talk, eh, Kip? Just remove right by that. Uh, yep. go, Sammy, it's your it's your platform, man. Go, go, <laughs> go. Tell us everything we no, need to know no, about this. I'll just give you a hard time. Uh, the Azteca last right? Night. Canada's in great shape now. They got the hardest part of the schedule yeah. out of the way. It should be clear sailing from here on end. Correct. It'd be, it'd be tough for them to really not make it at this point. But the thing I wanted to say about the about the Canadian national team and the, and the men's soccer team right now, and it may, be, it may apply to a lot of our audience that's listening because I don't necessarily know if there's a ton of crossover between, you know, hockey guys and soccer guys or whatever and, and that sort of the dynamic. But I don't think... I'm seeing some like, oh, you know, I was cheering before for Team Canada when we sucked. And, I, you know, I'm seeing some bandwagon shaming going on with this Canadian... It's not a local team. It's a country. So if you're a hockey guy that's wanting to get into this soccer thing, join on the bandwagon. Don't let the people who have been, you know, soccer nerds forever, myself included, I've watched soccer forever. Don't let them discourage you. Hop on the bandwagon and get it going. Get it going. Because I, I, I hate the shaming of the bandwagoning. So I just wanted to say that. Did you play soccer growing up? No, I didn't. I did like when I was like 12, but I, I sucked. Uh, but I love you soccer. You should have seen me play fullback for the North York oh Spartans. Is that oh right? Oh. There were always some butcher tackles by <laughs> O'Kip. Oh, some boys like getting blindsided. I Rule 48. loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. It was full contact back there. That's fun. Me. <laughs> I had my cousin on the left side. Oh, I had my buddy affair. Elvis Mandela Nico on the right and Nick side. On both sides. <laughs> and we were just, oh, it was vicious, but it is a fantastic sport. And we're happy for you, Sammy, yep. and Canada. So, hey, hockey, uh, soccer guys, let, so, let, let hockey people in. Let everybody in. Don't, don't yeah. be, you know, standoffish about it. That's right. It's Even exciting. in general. So there Jump you go. aboard. There you go. All I right. just wanted to say that. Let's talk hockey. We got a great show. Aaron Ward will come by later on, give us some uh, analytical uh, thoughts, along with uh, my good buddy Justin Bourne here on what's going right for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, bud. In the second hour, we've got a former teammate of mine. I've mentioned him a couple of times, but we got him. This is the real deal here. Al Iafredi. <laughs> and he will explain to you, JB, his thought process on coming to the rink on a Harley with his long leather coat, cowboy boots, and nothing on underneath. I mean, can you be a cooler person than that? Like, just at any point in your life, if you're on a Harley, more or less naked, you're a pretty cool person. I you think. don't want to miss that. Listening to Ally Afraidy and his story. And Mike Rupp, of course, uh, will go around the league a little bit. Lots to talk about, mm -hmm. including the sale of the Pittsburgh Penguins or pending sale. I think it needs uh, approval, of course, by the Board of Governors. But uh, that number is off the charts, I heard. You think Mario's going to get some value back for what he got in bankruptcy, you think? Uh, yes, and many times <laughs> over. So, that worked out pretty good for old Oh, no, 66. no. It's, uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So while we all think that this is tough times, and it is, I think there's a lot of teams out there that are, are cash poor now. But the value of these franchises, as, as we've just witnessed uh, with this deal, this pending deal to Fenway, uh, shows that uh, you're, you're in a very exclusive club owning one of 32 mm -hmm franchises here so we'll get into that a little later on this show so uh let's start nine and one does it feel like it's nine and one does it feel like this is uh one of the best hottest teams in the league uh, that, that they've improved that they are now a team that should be reckoned as one of the better ones in the league contending it's, justin do you get that after these last 10 games that's no, a great question because the 
the whole theme of this season was never, never not good enough, right? Like until it's playoffs, it doesn't matter. That's, uh, that was sort of the theme of this season is we've seen they can do it in the regular season. Show us you can do it in the postseason. It's like, God, at some point here, can we say, this is a pretty good hockey team here. Like, you know, there, there have been excuses for wins and they've snuck some out. They haven't liked the process and yada, yada. I mean, they won nine of the last 10 hockey games here. They might be onto something, Kipper. Sam, good. Are they a good hockey team? Uh, <laughs> define good. I, it's all relative, right? I'm starting to peel off the... Oh, nice job, Marty. <laughs> yeah, oh, just, <laughs> no, you're going to make some ice with that Perrier you just spilt there, there in the go. studio? Well, um, no, I just... I am starting to believe a little bit. I'm, I'm letting myself go to the place where maybe this is a better version of the Toronto Maple Leafs and that, you know, this is a spot that they're maybe, you know, starting to turn into one of the elite teams in the league and this was the vision all along. And I think they've played some pretty great games over the past couple of weeks where they've played well and they've deserved to win. But I think there have been games during this stretch where they kind of look like the start of the year and they got, they got results because of their goaltending and a couple of timely goals. But you need that in the NHL. So I think that they are turning in to potentially one of the elite teams in the NHL. We need the final ruling, Kipper. What's your take? It's it's in the eye of the beholder. And <laughs> What's your eye? I'm not quite there yet. And I don't want to take anything away from them. And they're doing what they have to do in the month of November. Mm-hmm. But do I believe right now that this is a team that uh, is going to go win four rounds and play playoff type of hockey that we see constantly? I don't care what era we've, we're in for. We know that it goes to another level. We know it's officiated differently. We know all of that. It's just... There's two seasons. It's a regular season and the real season. Mm-hmm. And there is some, it is valid to say that they, they have been known to be a good regular season team. But to turn that switch on, to now have what you need out of your stars and your depth and your goaltending consistently for two months yeah. to go to where Sammy hopes they're going to, let's just... Let's worry about con- collecting points from here on in. And, guys, I mean, again, I, not to take anything away from them, but Nashville, uh, you, you know, gag, you know what? gag <laughs> watching Nashville yesterday. Honestly, you know what made me start evaluating, like, have I been too hard on this team, is our group chat where we've been like, God, Nashville looks garbage. Garbage. God, Philly looks terrible. Yeah. Man, Vegas looks, looks trash. Could- and all of a sudden it's like, hey, if everyone you play looks bad, maybe you're doing something right. That's a great point. <laughs> you know? It's a great like, point. Listen, I'm fine with that, but yeah. I also see a Nashville team that didn't really capitalize, didn't bear down, had quality chances. For sure they could have changed the game in the early going. Could have been up one goal to start off and put the Leafs completely on their heels. They're, they're, they dominated early, really early, and then they go and take stupid penalties against best scorers in the world and Austin Matthews and, and Marner and that power plays hot now. Yeah. I mean, that's also a team that shot themselves in the foot. And let me just say this for a record for all you haters of Mitch Marner's 10.9. Think about a Nashville predator fan. That's got to watch Ryan Johansson <laughs> at eight large. That guy didn't piss a drop last night. No. So you tell me right now, Sammy, mm-hmm. Mitch Marner haters, would you would you take Mitch at 10-9 or would you rather have that at 8? Well, I mean, that's a pretty easy question that you're leading me into here. I don't even think that's a parallel. Oh, Duchesne at 8. Yeah. Either way, still no. Listen, I still no. Marner's been great, but this is the level that Marner has to play at for the contract to be, yeah. you know, justified. And that's always been the conversation with him ever since he signed it. But he's been great. And he looked great with Matthews last night. And, you know, I think they're going to they're gonna run with this for a bit, like Keith was talking about today. But he looked great last night. And, yeah, Johansson, uh, not, not a lot to love there. No. So soup great gets sauce his... passer, though. He loves yeah, a good oh, backhand I mean, sauce. Sure, he's, he's the guy can throw that. sauce with it. Yeah. But I'm with Kipper with that face you're making. Like, okay. 
Come on, Sammy. Hey, no, it's a I, fair point. We're, we're, love, yeah. we're down to a first period saucer pass. I'm a sucker for a sauce, and he's one of the better in the league at a nice backhand sauce. And, and who's the guy that you love, that Tomasino? Tomasino, I do love Tomasino, yeah, too. C- could he take the oven mittens off for <laughs> two seconds to play the game? It's too bad he had to play with Kipper's rules on wrong-handed stick yeah, yeah, last night. Yeah, he beat the puck into a square on the breakaway, so not a great one for my boy Tomasino. But, you know, so Soupy gets his uh, third shout-out of the year, which, goodness me, uh, this guy's looking like the real deal. One of the things we had talked about before we came on air today was just he's gone from a guy for me that looks like, boy, they got a nice find here at a value contract to a guy that, uh, you know, I he's believe a, in. He, he's, he's the real deal. He, he's top five right now, legitimately top five. Yeah. And he not falling off the face of the earth anytime soon. Yeah. And what I like is that a night like last night, he wasn't overly taxed. I don't know what he finished with, 24 yeah, saves? Sounds right. So that's that's a good sign. And just when there are opportunities, not only is he there for the save, but I think he's as good as anybody right now in no second chances, no mm-hmm. rebounds. There is something to be said for a goalie. If, if, the, if the team's feeling a little heat in their own zone, can get a, a face-off for you, can freeze the puck. Sure, give us a minute. Even, like, the one that he drops in front of the crease, he scrambles to keep out. Like, he, he's a battler. I just feel like he's a guy with real pedigree who came into the league, right, as a pretty high pick. Um, you know, took a while to find his way, but, you know, at his age, I, you know, we talked about his potential contract being four times, whatever, maybe five, four and a half, five. I don't know that that's going to be a bad deal for someone. I think someone's going to like that contract with Jack Campbell. Yeah, I I think he's a young thirty year old. If that makes any well, sense, exactly. The mileage, right? So he's just, and we've seen some guys hit it at a later time. I I mentioned Tim Thomas. Maybe he was a little even older yeah. than Jack, but these well, goalies. Was Jacob Markstrom when he found his stride in, in Vancouver? He's got to be thirty. I feel like goalies kind of. It's always around the twenty eight, twenty nine. Historically, maybe not outside as, of the greats. Yeah, but like yeah. not you know, as much recently, but I feel like that kind of is a sweet spot for goalies from, you know, from the age 28 to 32-ish is when they really start to, to fight. I mean, he's leading the league here in goals against average save percentage. He's tied for second in the shutouts. So not bad. Not a bad like, start for Jack Campbell. I, I think right now, like if if you're Kyle Dubas, you, you don't know what the hell to do. Well, I, I'll be honest. Earlier this season, I was like, it's not going to get better than this. So, you know, you might as well wait till the end of the year. And now I'm like, oh. Yeah. You know, and they did they did try earlier. They did try, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't very pretty of a number. And I think, I think it motivated him. I wow. think he's gone to another level since yeah. he was put into a predicament to say no. Yeah, well, he, he's looked fantastic for him, and that has changed my my thinking. I have been a guy that's been like, nice little find for Dubas to, like, they got a guy here. So this is a big year for them because given the salary cap situation yeah. after this, it's... They just may have to... They just may have to sign him and worry about unloading in the off season. Yeah, I think that's what happens. I, you I know, mean, Outside of the big four, who's more important to the team than Jack Campbell at this moment? You know, yeah, like, I, I think you could even make the argument that he may be, you know, over, over Willie, over, you know, like he's a huge part of their success. You just can't, especially now, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this, that, you know, they're nine and one, but there's still, still parts of their lineup that's leaking oil. And so don't, doesn't and, that make you feel good about what they got? It's like, but, geez. But, but that's basically every team in the league right now. Right. So that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is that, Got to fix it. You got to fix a few things. You at least you got to try, but you can't go anywhere without top-notch goaltending, and it has to be there. Carey Price proved that you could take, uh, you know, a, a less than stellar team with that's talent-driven and, and and get them places. So you look at that Montreal Canadiens team last year, and they find their way through. You know, we we talked at the at the top here just about. You know, this this team, are they good? Are they great? One thing that is noticeably different is something that Montreal had on their run, which is <clears throat> Philip Deneau, who is the shutdown, defense-only, no-offense centerman who took on a lot of the toughs, you know, the, the tough matchups, the, zone, the D zone starts, all that stuff. I mean, David Kempf 
is the real deal here. To speaking of, you know, we're, we're sort of bigging everyone up. You're, you're a little less sold maybe on well, camp, I, but boy, I think he's a he's a hockey he's player. Not as heavy. What he does. He's not as heavy as Philip Deneau. Is Deneau heavy? Yeah. I think he's a smaller guy. No, 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 no. I think he, he plays heavy. Yeah. He leans. He leans. And I, camp has done everything. If, and he's rangy. We, he's long we, stick. Just, and, and, and he moves. He does move. And they don't spend a lot of time. You've got those uh, stats that don't lie in terms of the amount of face-offs that he takes in his own zone. Yeah. And they don't spend a lot of time there. And now they're starting to get a little rewarded. Uh, second goal for Kemp. Uh, <laughs> I don't once, know if he can raise the puck. <laughs> once he learns how to raise the puck, think of, think of how dangerous he's going to be. This one had a lot more meat on it. Well, was a real say a lot. it had more meat. On it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm going to give this guy a lot of love here in a minute, but offensively, some of the play on the two on one with him and Kasha, he just about you know, he hit the D man in the knee. And if it didn't hit him in the knee, it was going to hit Kasha in the hip, I think. So some of the offensive game is lacking for sure. But but they work their asses off. They work. And he has a, a conscience, a defensive, a defensive conscience that is. Um, you know, among the best in the NHL in terms of where he wants to be. I've got an article coming out on sportsnet.ca today that clips a bunch of his shifts from last night. Every time this guy's in on the forecheck, all he's worried about is being above guys in defense. And, you know, that leads to some opportunities on the offensive end, but there he's a guy that they can trust. Uh, those stats you were mentioning, he's among regular players this year. He's had the least offensive zone faceoffs in the entire NHL. 15 offensive zone faceoffs through 17 games. His teammate Mitch Marner's had 115. Well, if you don't believe us how how good they've been, uh, listen to Sheldon Keefe talk about them. To me, it's just tremendous. Especially with the way our team is, you know, with our top two lines. Um, in the past here, we've had to really lean on them also in defensive situations. You know, they, you know in the past, they've had to take a lot of D-zone face-offs, Austin and John both, and play against other teams' best players uh, a lot, which they still do, and they still will. That's natural. It's going to happen. If you if you want to get your guys 20-plus minutes, they're going to end up having to take shifts against other teams' best people. But um, there's times when you don't have to force them back onto the ice because one of the other team's best lines is coming. You can give them a little extra break and then g- get them extra advantages on the other side um, when the other team has to play their depth players. So... I think it's uh, it's it's great for us, um, in particular with the, those pers- the personalities that they have. They these guys are just here to serve the team and help our team win. And uh, like I said, they've they've got tremendous value, brought tremendous value here to us, and it's been nice to see them getting rewarded of late. Because I, I can you can feel it on our bench and in our room that our players recognize what they're bringing to our team, whether they score or not. Um, and they see the importance of it. So those guys have have been terrific. Keith makes an excellent point here, and that is the weight that he can take off of Tavares and Matthews. Right. And if you've noticed now, less minutes. I don't know what they played. I think they were around 20 again last night. It's Mm -hmm. not 23. It's not 24, Justin. And I look at last year, and so much heat was on those guys. But I really believe that in the back half of that first round, Marner was spent. Yeah. And he had already had two games, if I'm not mistaken, above 30 minutes. Like, this is the first round. Yeah. Like, where do you think you're going if you're playing Mitch Marner 25, 30 minutes a night? This is a line that can help Sheldon alleviate that. Yeah, and part of the problem, I think, is exactly what he was talking about, how in the past, they were treating these guys like the perfection line in Boston. They were treating them like Bergeron and Marshawn and Pasternak and saying, you got to go head-to-head with the other team's best line and still take them down. And that's that's a big ask for any line. If you feel like you can put Camp and Kasha and whoever's on the left wing, I'm not going to say Angval, but if you feel like you can put them out there in the D zone and against the best lines in the opposite team, when you're at home, you're going to get some real favorable matchups for your best players. And, you know, the Leafs have only been a goal shy of moving past that first round. Game five, game six last year, they get one more from those guys. They're through. This could be the thing, you know, and, and we've talked about how is this team different? How can it, they get through? This could be the way. This camp and cash align, that partnership, um, you know, could go a long way. We have that clip too, Sammy. Yeah. Do we not have a camp well, and cash? We do have it on Kasha. I just want to say that you nailed it there, that it's very, like, 
or however many games we're into the season here. I'm not putting, you know, getting too excited. But having a line like this that's playing like this right now, and, I mean, the huge elephant in the room with Kasha is he hasn't been healthy for a long stretch of time for at all in his career. So that is something that would really kind of concern me with that. But if they have a line that's playing like that, that is a difference maker in the playoffs. And it is something that's different than they've had. And I've always said that the bottom half of this lease lineup needs a change-up, needs a different kind of look. And this line is a different kind of look than they've had in years past. Yeah. Kasha not practicing today. I hope they wrapped him in bubble. Yeah, he's got practicing today. He took that the shot shot block there towards they, the end of the game. They just soak him in aloe in one of those <laughs> yeah. floating chambers yeah. between games and pull yeah. him out. Um, but let's hear what Keith had to say about uh, Kasha. You know, I wasn't really familiar with it, his personality and the type of uh, person that he was. But uh, from the work that I had done to watch him play on video and some of the calls that I had made in terms of his skill set, um, the common thing that kept coming back is how, how much he works and competes. And I watched him. He's always scored 20 goals in the league. He's, he can score. He's got that skill set. But he plays hard. I mean, you just see the way he skates. Like, he, he digs into the ice. He's pushing. He's, he's giving everything that he's got. That shot block at the end of the period. Like, he's, he's emptying the tank. Um, I saw some of those traits in there, and that's why I thought, even though it's a bit of a different skill set, that he could be a really good uh, match with Camp in that sense, and, and those guys could be a good pair for us. Like we saw the other night, I think Kasha can move around the lineup for us, but but uh, it's been a nice pair, and it, of course, just helps. That they just they so happen just so happen to be best friends as well before even getting here, so that that's that served us well too. There there are parts of his game though that you could see why he's gotten hurt in the past, though. Do you not see that? 100% I do. I see it okay, every night. Okay, good. It's not just me. No. Thank you. Because he's still of what Sheldon's talking about is he works. And, like, sometimes he takes the puck to the net. I'm watching. I'm like, oh, take it to the net. And then he does. And I'm like, oh. I mean, he has, I will say, very, not little, but his awareness is definitely, we've talked about it a bit, but it's not great. It's not, he's missing a little bit of the superintendent's. The, yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. The Just the radar, the I'm, radar. Yeah, he absolutely works. But he made a terrific play of protecting the puck off that forecheck. He's going up against Ekholm last night. Yeah. And that's not an easy one-on-one battle. I think he knocked him completely on his ass, which is nice because every once in a while, Kasha does end up down there. Right. But he did a, a, a great turnaround and, and find a, a camp on that goal. Yeah. You know, what's funny is everyone talks about Kasha like, yeah, he had 20 goal seasons. Like we've beaten that horse pretty good. Like he hasn't scored a ton in the NHL. I don't know what his career total is. Like what, what are expectations for him offensively? If he's going to be on a defensive line with camp, if, if he gets 15, Eight, you think 10? that low? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you Eight know, or 10 would be fantastic. I think that's probably what you're looking at. If he stays healthy. My, you know what I would love to see? And uh, this has not been overly popular uh, among you two. I don't think is I want to see bunting with him. Give me bunting, uh, Kasha, and, and Camp. See if we can get a little more offense out of that group, or am I ruining the exact uh, thing we just said? I, Sheldon didn't say a bad thing about Angville, and now you want to get rid of him. <laughs> if we say a bad thing about him every other day, what makes today any different? Well, Angville can't shoot the puck in the net from the slot. He had how many? He's got how, a ripper. How many, how many chances did he have in the slot last night? Three? Four? So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind trying it but i 80 I, 82 games Sam. yeah i know but i don't games. love what i've seen yeah. from bunts Bun, either no no boy buncy no i don't know i i think i'd leave that be i don't think i'm, I'm doing anything with that until somebody gets well hurt. that fourth line was not particularly great with them on it last night um, you know they were they were good all over the rink but uh not the fourth line exactly which brings us to the conversation of matthews and marner back together again mm-hmm. and Matthews, I thought we had ample opportunities, could have easily had a hat trick. Oh, man, he was awesome. And no coincidence, who's the engine? Mitch Marner. I no, is, like, did, did Marner set not, him up at all? Or like, uh, I, yes, he did. I just feel like he, you're right, he did. On the two-on-one from oh, Richie. Oh, come on. By the way, that's World an class. unbelievable save. Unbelievable save, Sorrows. Yeah. But like, that's what Matthews was not getting. Out of old Bill Nylander, yeah, and that's that's a bit of an issue here. Is that Nylander now is a a, a guy that likes his one on ones. He is not in regular five on five regulation time. He's got some issues. Did you did you notice Tavares 
last night as much? No, I did not. Yeah. Come on. No, I did not at all. Not like it dropped. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It dropped. Why? Yeah, not not with Marner. Not with Marner. Yeah. It's it's that obvious. Matthews last night, I don't know if it is just like reinvigorated being with his buddy or whatever, but he had he had that first game of his return like he did against the Rangers look last night all over it, you know, a couple of pucks, like obviously the one that could have got in off the elbow and traipsed across the goal line. Um, you know, he he looked like the the game breaker that he is last night. That catch and release on the power play. I don't even understand how he does that. Um, but then so naturally this brings us to uh the third guy, Richie. What'd you make of his performance back with the the big boys? I thought he had uh, a, a great first half. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're over me talking about no. Richie, because I'm just waiting to pile on him again. I, aren't I? I loved I loved the hit on Ekholm yeah. that came back to to start that two on one, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that was the same two on one there. And then uh, McCarron comes in to answer the hit on Ekholm. Yeah. And he takes him down. Yeah, McCarron's 6'6 or something. Like, he just wore a bunch of lefts from Richie there. Is, is, if he does that every once in a while, they will love him here. Think as you run the clip back there, Kipper, before the hit, he turns the puck over twice. The one time, the one time he turned Listen, it, but he this, ran it back to his own I zone know, so this, far, Kipper. It was he is, almost iced it. This is why he plays on the third or fourth line. This is why you you uh, bring him down about eight or nine minutes, and you kind of live with that. If he hits like he hit at home there, yeah, there is absolutely a spot on the roster for him. But you've got to bring that. You can't bring it every once in 18, 20 games. I just, I need to get it on the record early. I don't think he's on the team after the trade deadline. That's just my opinion. I don't know anything. It's not, that's just me being like, I don't see it at $2.5 million. He just doesn't have that, that natural edge. What would you have to give someone to take his contract? Second, third rounder? No, that much? Two and a half million? Yeah, he's not terrible. He's only got one year a, left a, after this A fourth year. round? Yeah. And now we're, that's what I was hoping, but it, okay. you might be right. It might be a second or third. I don't know. It depends how desperate the Leafs are. So the the hope is that he just finds it, you know, like he finds his stride and finds a role on the group. Richie uh, cannot play consistently on a top six. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't move his feet fast enough. He doesn't react quick enough. And it, it's, it's a, it's a processing thing. It is a process. Yes. I agree. A hundred percent. He just does not have, he can't think as fast as those guys on the ice. No. It's like, boys, we're going this way. We're this way. They need to. And that's okay. He is what he is. There, there is some value there, but he's going to have to find it in the third or fourth line. But guess what? You can't tell me for one second that Richie fighting last night had nothing to do with Kyle Clifford. Oh, Coming. yeah. I didn't even put that oh, together. Oh, no, 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 no. Trust me. I've been there. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> they, we yeah, just, I know. We just signed a guy who's okay. exactly you my size who will fight and score a little. You, hmm. you think it's a coincidence that he hit and fought last night That's when he knew that a guy that could come in and play a similar role? Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Good, good pickup. It's just... It's, it's a shame that he needs that to do what he did last night. If he just did it on his own, he'd... He'd be loved here. There's no question. They're starving for that. I know. Here. Starving. I I just, it can't be the top line with Richie. No. And you guys just mentioned it, but you watch those two guys skate around, uh, Matthews and Marner, and the edge work and their ability to pivot and their ability to change direction like you were saying. And then it's just Richie who just looks like he's, compared to those two guys, looks like he's going in mud. It's just so much slower with every aspect in those two guys, I just don't think it's a fit. But then you say, who is a fit? And they have no one that fits. So I understand why Keith's just doing it, right? Like he's just being like, we're going to give it a run. Everyone asked him, they asked him after the game last night, we're going to continue to do it. And I feel like he's just looking in the mirror, telling himself that we're going to continue to do this. And it's going to play him 12 minutes. And you know, we're going to put they, Willie in that spot. They probably committed to a 10-game segment. They're yeah. probably like, all right, we're going to see if we're doing this whole give it a run thing, we're just going to continue to do it. And what else can you do? Then give it a fair shake. And then you can say, we gave you a chance. We gave you 25 hockey games of the best players in the world. You know, a handful of the best players in the world. If you can't make it work there, you can't make it work. I, I don't mind how he did it last night. Like, I, outside of the benching for that idiotic slash, which was a pretty weak, you know, it wasn't much of a slash, but Rafi was looking right at it. It was retaliatory. It was an easy call, and you can't do it. But, like, outside of that penalty... 
the way that he handled them, I liked it. You know, you put Willie up there for a shift here and there. Like you kind of you kind of mix and match them. You get him some time on the second power play unit. Like I don't hate the idea of doing it like that, but you just need more from him. And he gave you a little bit last night, but then he tooketh away by doing <laughs> dumb stuff. It's just you, the consistency is not there. So when we talk about the Leafs and now uh, is, is the switch now to one of the better teams or a contending team, and and the answer is yeah, that it should be. But you look at that left side. And do you believe now that you can get to a Stanley Cup final with the likes of Richie, Kerfoot, Engvall, and Bunting? Kerfoot, I, I'm very okay with his play and his performance against Montreal in the postseason. I, I'll give you a yes there, but Richie, Engvall, Bunting is your other three left-side guys. Like, obviously not terrible hockey players by any stretch, and I think you look around the league and look at, uh, you know, the fourth-line player, fourth-line left-winger on the NHL is not exactly a, uh, a hot spot for elite talent, but, um, you know, if you're looking for ways you can get more, there's probably better out there. So then um, looking at the backside, Kipper, any stand out to you last night for um, among the 60? I just, uh, you know, Hull came back in, played another 20 minutes. I just don't see him still at the same level or even close to what we saw last season. Yeah. And I just find him apprehensive. I yeah. find him just a little off, and it may just simply be a confidence thing, but I just don't see that he's lost a little bit of a strut that he had last year. I doubt this very much, but he, he just totally on appearance looks out of shape. Like, it looks like he's a little gassed, a little without pep, a little heavy. You know, I don't, and he's, I have absolutely nothing, no reason to think that. Just his, the look of him doesn't look as energetic is up the ice is he's, he's kind of lost that the little bit of pop in his step so for whatever reason it's uh he's lagging behind a bit sammy you like this blue line i gotta ask you guys a question and something a thought that crossed my mind watching the game last night i've loved morgan riley over the past week or so i, I you know i think he's really kind of settled in here and how much of that contract extension plays into that like do you think before the contract extension he's he's that not like you're distracted when you're playing a hockey game but after you sign the contract you're playing out there are you playing a little bit more free you're acting a little bit more like yourself like how much does that play into it because i've liked him over the past two weeks i think he's playing really well i agree and the answer is yes he feels fantastic right now yeah like the weight of the world is off his shoulders he doesn't have to think about where he's going to be uh, for, to a ve- be a hockey for, for a very yeah. long time. And there's that security there. And now he is regarded again as one of the true leaders. I mean, we talked about that documentary off the top of, of the season. And I, I thought he was nowhere to be found. Well, I guess he was nowhere to be found. And he I don't know one whether, quote and the whole thing. And it was hilarious. I don't know whether it was by design or not, or it had to do with, well, you may not be here. Or I don't know, but like this is the longest running guy here and could have easily been the captain. You just want to feel respected when it comes to your pay, right? Like you want to feel like the work you're doing, the compensation is commensurate with the work you're doing. And when you're playing 25 minutes a night for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, all through the first round, uh, you, you are someone who deserves the money that the top guys are getting. You're being treated like one of the top guys and used like a top guy. And it's, I mean, we talk about the perception with contracts and we talk about how people are measured against their contracts in the cap era. I think it's huge for Riley that, you know, he was perceived to have taken, I mean, he got a lot of money, but he's perceived to have taken under market value, which all those big contracts were signed around nine, eight and a half. And he went seven and a half. And I think that's going to play really well in this market. And just him, the way he's been playing, I think he's probably taken a bigger role in terms of what, now that he's got the contract leadership role, playing a ton I just think that he's kind of turning into no, – I, I mean, he's still never going to be the true number one lockdown guy. But, like, I, I just really have loved his game. And I think it's – I'm just – I got some some love for Morgan Riley right well, now. Well, you know what? It makes me think of last night, like, the Dion Phaneuf ceremony happens. And, you know, how long did Phaneuf play here? Is seven seasons? Six, Six-ish. Six seasons, yeah. something like that. You know, the, the team doesn't really have any success. He makes maybe an all-star game somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And you then know, and, they, they, and, they don't they don't get in the they don't get past the first round. Yeah. And Scott Hartnell makes fun of him in the in the in the All Star game. Tells him to you know yeah. what yeah we're just skating by him. Right. Yeah. So then look at you know how Morgan Riley is going to be perceived fifteen years from now by Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Ten years from now, he's going to be beloved. For he's sure. He's a guy who did 
you know, take probably yeah, less money, that, less that, money than he could have hey, got. JB, that that uh, that jury's still out. Based on team success, hundred percent. I thought you'd say that. Okay. If Morgan doesn't get out of the first round, as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he still get he'll, more applause. He'll, he'll get a nice round of applause, like Phaneuf did last <laughs> night. But that wasn't charged. That was not charged, and even as a, if we want to go to the the uh, last few generations, uh, Rick Vive, fifty goal scorer, man. What Star. he did was unbelievable. But what is the difference between say, Rick Vive and Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore, you know, and even Sittler in terms of treatment degree? by the fan base? Yes, I guess it, you're uh, saying team success, right? Team That's, success. Yeah. That's it. And that and is is it in a nutshell. Morgan will be more FNUF than he is anyone else if they don't get out oh, of the first round. I mean, round. I get your point. I get your point. But, like, there was always animosity with FNUF, the media, the fan base, I feel like, that doesn't exist. It was without. a completely different situation in terms of because FNUF was named the captain. He was given the big contract. He was the focal point of, you know, I think there's way more guys to take the heat off more than that in that perspective. I don't think uh, it, for for enough. It's I look at that salute gate. It's a hiccup. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's not that yeah. big of no, a deal. Definitely, they not. were feeling a little hurt and betrayed by the media, and to a certain extent, the fans. They didn't salute you. Big friggin' deal. I, how hard was it not to swear? I, there? I didn't know where you were going there, Caps. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding on for dear life. <laughs> so. I'm 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 fine with that. Yeah. The bottom line is, people want you to win now, and I know. and it's magnified. But, but Morgan now because also of the taking contracts. less money. They're gonna love. But listen, you know. it's relative success in this market, fellas. Like look at back at those teams that I love. I you know I look back at the early 2000s Leafs. Like those teams were the best teams ever. I adore those teams. You know, and they never won anything. They got to the conference final a couple times. You know, they went to the second round a couple times. I don't think the success that Toronto Leaf, like Maple Leaf fans, well, you don't expect. need a cup, but you need no, some success. You need some Sammy. success. That's what I mean. But like, yeah. so if they get to the second round a couple of times, go to the conference finals here, he will definitely be beloved. Like they don't even need to win the cup. They don't need to do anything. I he don't disagree beloved. with that because it's worked for Wendell and it worked yeah. for Sun- many. Sundin, Roberts, down the line, that whole McCabe, that whole era of Leafs hockey is my favorite era of hockey ever. Yeah. I love that team. I love those. God, that's less bleak. You know, it is. <laughs> and guess what? That's when I, you got to be Sorry, a hockey fan. I didn't fan. grow up in Toronto. No, no. So. That's when you got to be a hockey fan, right? <laughs> yeah, Where right. it was like, I didn't. no one was telling me what to think about my favorite players. I just watched yeah. hockey and loved hockey. It was a different thing. But I, I love those teams. And I, like I said, I look back on them with such, you know, I just loved them. Yeah. And they didn't win anything. Yeah. So it doesn't take much for Morgan to be beloved here long term. So 9-1, and one, but we said... A lot of teams, you know, have issues. For me, there's still issues on the back end. Agreed. And we just we just spoke of the Montreal Canadiens and the run that they had on a mm-hmm. team that didn't have close to the talent of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they had Weber, Ben Sherratt, and Edmondson. Three horses back Petrie there. Petrie too. Yeah. With the old red eyes. Petrie, not as heavy as those other three guys. Yeah, but he was a big part of that. Like, he was a great player, but yeah. he wasn't a Sam, horse. Stay with me here, please. <laughs> okay, not horse-like. There was no good player, <laughs> right? I want horses. Can, uh, Derek, can you please get that drop? Thank you, thank you. Thank you. I want horses. Snarl. Yeah. I want yeah. horses back there. Yeah, they've got one, and that's Muzzin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is close to that. Definitely is. One isn't He's enough. A, you see Gudis put Brock Nelson on his keister last night and then laugh at anyone who tried to fight him? Yeah, they're not trading Gudis. No. So not, eh? that needs to be addressed. That blue line, I don't care if you go 60 and one. That blue line for to think about winning round after round after round has to get heavier. Look at Tampa l- last year. They traded for David Savard, and I don't think David... What a pickup that was. But he, he couldn't crack, crap, uh, crack the top four. Yeah. And then Montreal paid him, tried to have another right? horse. Yeah. That's how deep and heavy that blue line was 
for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. We're on the same page there. I, I, I think this is a very, very good hockey team. I want team. to disagree, but I can't. Yeah. It's just, they're, they're, you know, you're going to run out Lilligren 17 minutes a night in a playoff game? Just doesn't seem like it's going to be. Oh. Doesn't seem like it's going to be Lilligren, Sandin. I like Sandin. Brody. I like Sandin a lot more than I like Lilligren. They're like playoff time. They're like pinatas. <laughs> just hammering them. Just get it up to the, to the stars. Get it up to the forwards. Get it out of your end. You don't have to defend. But we're in November. Just yeah. get the points. Yeah. Just keep building the points. All right. We're going to bring up uh, Aaron, Roar, uh, Aaron Ward after the break. He's got that tracking and analytics uh, NHL edge. He'll give us some numbers here. All good? JB? All good. Let's do it. Let's get the Ward on. All right. We're coming up after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We are back. We're going to get Aaron Ward on the program. Also, Al Iafredi, ex-teammate of mine in Washington. Also spent quality time in the fishbowl here. Mm -hmm. Get ready to laugh, JB. I'm going to picture him with a skullet haircut. Oh, yeah. He had the mullet, too, in his (laughs) heyday. Real good. Really good. And also Mike Rupp, color analyst for the NHL Network, AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. So we'll get his thoughts. And and Sidney Crosby, JB, not kind of looking Sidney Crosby-like. I know it's still early. I don't think he's played much more than three or four games, but not doesn't, doesn't look great. And I think he's dashed five or six already. Yeah, it's six through two games. If I or three games, if I'm them, I'm like, uh, you know, Crosby doesn't look great, guys. Sell the organization. So, <laughs> still, help. still plenty, plenty to go here on the show. But let's bring in uh, our good friend Aaron Ward, who can tell us everything we need to know on how good the Leafs are on this <laughs> nine and one run. Because Aaron, I, I I watch the league in general, and and there's a lot of issues on a lot of teams. It ain't. It ain't close to being perfect, but nine nine out of ten is nine out of ten. Yeah, ask those teams that have won two games in 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 the last ten, and ask them how they'd feel to win the games, no matter how you win them. I mean, that's it's key. Inevitably, it's about production. It's about getting the Ws, and that's how you're judged, both by your organization and your fan base. So for for Toronto right now, they've got to clearly feel pretty good about where they're headed. But again, since the last time we talked. There's still some warts in the game that need to work themselves out because for this Toronto team, and I know this is going to be like a groundhog day, regular season really technically doesn't matter. I think this is a preparation for a team that with another year of maturity is looking at kind of evolving into a better potential playoff team. And some of the things that hinder them currently are not going to play out well in the playoffs for them. Yeah, one thing I wanted to get your take on was uh, maybe you have numbers on this or maybe not, just an opinion from your playing days, but is zone starts. The idea that, like, David Kempf so far this season has started in the offensive zone 15 times in 17 games, which is the lowest number in the NHL. Um, you know, was that something when you played that, that was common for coaches to pay attention to where, where the deployment was? Was it as, ex- as extreme or is that something that's more recent in coaching strategy? Oh, I think that's absolutely more recent, right? And, and I only learned about it in, in, in doing analysis of the Montreal Canadiens. A couple of years back, I learned through um, actually Shane Kelly, who's, who's the head of our analytics group uh, for SMT. He was trying to explain to me why Victor Mete never ended up starting his defensive zone. And the realization was because he was a basic defensive zone disaster. So when Claude Julien <laughs> deployed him, he would use him when there was an offensive zone faceoff because he couldn't trust him to to start off in his defensive zone on that faceoff and effectively play that role. And it, it kind of dawned upon me like, okay, I, I get this. And it never was something that was ever present in my mind other than the forefront of the back when I played. Like the guy that was the most advanced and forward-thinking coach I ever played for pre, I guess, embracing of analytics was Craig Ramsey. Craig Ramsey used to take notes on who from their team was taking what faceoff, uh, how the possession entries were on our guys and versus them. Generally, as a D coach, he, he, he dissected us. But he always had this little notepad, and I asked him for a while what he was keeping. He kept these notes on. I mean, let's be honest. I was playing with Chara for the majority of my time in Boston, and I saw most of his own entries. And, I mean, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why. 
because no one wanted to get you know stopped by Chara. But if you looked at say you know Andrew Ferentz and and Dennis Weidman, he wanted to know how tactically the opponent was coming in and what he could do to help and manipulate that. So you're right. I I think by design nowadays it's it's there's a greater embracing of a deeper dive into where you best utilize a guy and where I think more importantly he may hurt you. And that's that's really where the game's gone. And when we talk about the slow start and the improvement, it really may come down to just this third line uh, that's that's formed right now with Kampf, uh, Engvall, and, and Kasha. And they are starting to get rewarded a little bit here. But, you know, is there anything that, uh, that could happen with this line in terms of, uh, you know, analytics that could even take them to another level here? Or is it just strictly wait for the bounces here? It's, it's, I laugh that you asked this question because I was watching the game last night and I, and, and I, kept, I kept looking at Engvall and I'm saying to myself, I've played against this guy over the course of my career, I would want to kill him. <laughs> and and it's, it's not something I think he consciously does. He's a big, tall, gangly guy. And he has such great body control that when he possesses the puck, he runs great kind of subtle picks in, in the zone, and he's got great possession. And so as a bigger guy where you like to dominate forwards as a defenseman usually, he's a tough guy to knock off the puck. And they as a group play with a level of energy that I think gives a little bit of a different taste and a different approach to the opponent, right? So you know that Nylander over the course of the, of the game is kind of like that, that everybody had that guy in their neighborhood who was the most incredible ball hockey player. Wherever he got the ball on the street – he could put it in from all angles and he always found himself in the right spot. And now you're getting guys like Matthew's production in light of the fact he's coming off an injury, his production's up. I think the top two lines, you, you generally get kind of a, 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 a certain deliverable. You know what to expect against these guys. This third line, if you take a look at, at uh, comparables, if you look at how LA is, is, is got the, the level of success they've had recently is because there's a great disbursement of, of production across all these lines. I think this is where you're heading with Engvall, Camp, and, and Kush. And these guys have, have realized there's, there's no ceiling for them. They, I don't have a lot of, if I'm a, if I'm a veteran player, a lot of, of understanding of what they're going to bring to the table all the time because there's not a body of work I, 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 I can draw upon. They're playing kind of re- with reckless abandon because I don't think they're defined by one thing. Engvall, to me in particular, I go back again. I watch him play, and he draws my eye. And I don't know what it is about him. But he's one of the most frustrating forwards had I been in the position of playing against him to, to try and counter. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I like the guy. But I would hate to play against him. Yeah, understandable. So, you know, one of the conversations we had off the top was just like, is this Leafs team, like, are they different? Are they really genuinely good now? <laughs> you know, and so I'm looking at that the Atlantic Division. Florida's on top, Tampa Bay rolling again. The Bruins are the Bruins. You know, where do you slot Toronto in with the way they're looking right now? Okay, so if you would have said at the start of the season that you're looking at the Atlantic and, and you're going to say Toronto's going to be sitting in second right behind Florida, everybody would have believed Florida. I don't think they would have believed right out of the gates Toronto, right? You would assume that it was Florida, Florida. It was going to be Florida, Tampa, and, mm-hmm. and then everybody falls in, and maybe everyone's going to assume that, 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 that Boston would step in there. I think this is a great position for Toronto in light of the fact that I think they're on the upswing. I think that there's a vast improvement. In November alone, I mean, basically, they've averaged a, a power play goal per game. If you watched last night, like, I had PTSD from playing against highly skilled guys. Like, I remember being on a, on a, on a power play, uh, sorry, penalty kill against Lemieux, Crosby, and, and, the, and the, a collection of all these skilled guys. And it took them, I think, 17 seconds one time to score a goal, and we didn't see the puck, and it wasn't on the tape. Last night, same thing on the Matthews goal. I'm like, how do you defend that, that Toronto power play? Mm. I think this team really is in, in a, a good position. I think they're, 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 the potential is there. They still have to. I'm going to revert back to it. They've given up so many chances, too many chances, still eighth and expected goals against. I think this team has to realize that you're asking a lot from your goaltending tandem, that if you're going to, if you're going to rely on, on giving up these opportunities, you're, 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 you're basically you're, you're gambling. Right when, when it really matters, as we go again back to the fact that you want them to be a playoff-ready team, that having the experience and learning the, the dynamics of, of playing a complete game, you know, you listen to Tortorella talk about a one guy in McDavid having to step off and, and round out his game. I think from a, from a team perspective for Toronto, 
This is the mentality they have to form. I disagreed with what Tortorella said about McDavid. I do agree, however, Toronto, to be successful, has to pay more attention. I don't know how, with live fire, you get your team to, to play to a different identity defensively because there's still that disconnect. That's a lot of pressure on your, on your goaltending to come up big. And, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's, 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 it's a tough task. And you know what, Aaron? When, when, they're, when they make bad decisions, they are, like, huge decisions. Two bad pinches by Hull, I think, and even Morgan Riley in the first period. And the Leafs could have been down a goal or two. Like, they are, they're yeah. blatant. They're huge. It's just, I don't know what the numbers say per se, but when they're big, they're really big. And I, so I go back to the LA game, and and I, I feel like that was kryptonite for for the, for not just the team as a whole, but the decor for Toronto. If you think about the Moore goal, that was straight speed, right? Blew by. Same thing with Athanasio. Turnover in the neutral uh, gets Muzzin tied up. I think what what you do see currently is that at times they're struggling to deal with the counter attack of, of the teams off of off of turnovers. And I think that you, you have to have an awareness as a forward. And it's not just Toronto. You look around the league, like Montreal right now is starving for any identity in the defensive zone. Toronto being an elite team is going to have to really wrap this up. You're right. A mistake made by Toronto, you're putting a lot of pressure on, on your goaltending tandem, whoever's in the night, that night, to, to bail you out. And Toronto's mistakes aren't necessarily always small ones. It's not a missed coverage. It's a it's a blown coverage. Guys are wide open and 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 getting like glorious opportunities. Again, giving up tons of chances at eighth in the league and expected goals against. They've got to improve upon that. And and for the record, there's no tandem. There's just one guy. <laughs> yeah. they've, they've got one goalie in the whole organization and, I, I don't, I, a, and a bunch <laughs> of Zamboni drivers. <laughs> Hey, hey, listen, <laughs> watch out for those Zamboni drivers. They go to other teams and beat you. <laughs> you never know. Um, the one thing, you know, one place he's been real good, Campbell, is on the PK. Their P- the Leafs' PK is killer. You know, it's 87.5%, third best in the NHL. Uh, you killed a lot of penalties in your day. You know, what does it take to sustain a kill like this? It doesn't, you know, I look at their decor. I don't see the personnel where I'm like, that's a great kill in decor. You know, but boy, they're, they're sure getting the job done. Yeah, and I will tell you this. There, the success to a PK, whether it was in years past or it was kind of a stagnant one, we talked about formations like shapes, right, diamond or, 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 or the box. Nowadays, they've, they've kind of gravitated away from that. They're, they're, they're playing with a different mentality that there's nothing wrong with pressuring. The only mistake you make in, in, in pressuring is if it's not a four-man unit doing the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to find a way to follow up. If a guy decides to pressure a puck carrier, I've got to make not just the evaluation if that puck's going to go to the, to the net. I've got to evaluate what his option is and cut even that time and space down. So when I watch Toronto with, with the guys, like I, I, I love the Kerfoots and I love the guys that get out there and play hard for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that is a mentality that's happening that, that exists on their PK is that the four-man unit is, is confident in their skill set and in their battle ability to, to contest anything in zone. And that if a mistake is made, not only can they recover because you're not, you don't have lumbering defensemen out there that, that, that can't recover. Everybody's able to be mobile enough to either make up your own mistake or cover up for your, for your teammates mistake. And, and again, they're, they're also getting timely saves from, from, from Campbell. I won't say the 10. <laughs> I loved your, um, your comparison to Nylander as the ultimate ball hockey player uh, because He's he's not a guy that is a natural disher. And whether he's playing with Matthews or Tavares, those guys like their cookies, but there's no proof five-on-five five that Nylander can help them produce like Marner. So with your, your tracking and analytics, do they point in the direction of Tavares and Matthews having a bare-knuckle brawl to fight oh. over who gets to play with Marner? Okay, Kipper, let me, let me give you this one. I, I am I'm not a pure analytics guy, so I'd have to be, um, ask Borny over there, I would have to dive deep into it. I'm taking, like, kind of overall picture type of analytics and look at it. Um, if, if, I'm, if I'm looking over just at, at who plays with Nylander, uh, again, for him and the way he's playing, I would completely allow him, I'm just going to say this, rarely does a player get input on what his line is, the way Nylander's playing right now, 
I mean, outside of how I love watching special play, Nylander attracts me to a TV. I step up and I turn through games and I stop on the Toronto game and I solely look at Nylander, not only because I played with his dad and it reminds me how damn old I am, but the <laughs> fact that as, as, a, as a player in the skill set, we, we talk about the Crosbys and the Ovechkins and, and the McDavid's and the McKinnons, and I'm telling you right now that, that for me, on the Toronto Maple Leafs team, Nylander's converse, his name starts to creep into conversation as the best around the National Hockey League in that scoring ability. I don't know how he does it, but he seems to find himself geographically on the ice in the right place at the right time. And you chalk it up to IQ or you just chalk it up to the fact that the guy's got an incredible feel for the game. But once the puck's on his, on his tape, like Matthew's ability to get the puck off his stick is, is uncanny and he can watch it on TV and be marveled. Nylander's ability to just get pucks in, in odd spots and place them on that net and, and finish is incredible. And I'm so happy I don't play against them and, and never have to be subjected to that embarrassment. <laughs> Wardo, one thing you mentioned earlier was uh, the McDavid-Tortorella thing about refereeing and you know how our stars should be refereed today. We had an interesting conversation with Tim Peel the other day where he made the comment that you know social media grabbed onto where he said, you, know, you can't just call the rule book, essentially. <laughs> was his point about managing games and all that. When you watch our game today, how do you feel about refing, star treatment, and if those guys should get a little bit of extra protection out there, which has not been a popular opinion on this show? Uh, I don't believe that stars should get extra protection. I don't think you referee. you gotta, you got to refer. The game is, is about parity, right? And, and everybody starts off, everybody's got the same amount of players on the ice. I don't think you should referee based on the number, the salary hit, any of it. I think that a player should be expected, whether he's on the fourth line or the first line, to battle through all the, the obstruction, the legal obstruction, right? Clearly, if there's a rule book and, and you know, the clutching and grabbing and hooking is, is blatant, but some of the ticky-tack sometimes, because you can, you can almost predict, no matter what team it is, whether you're the Toronto Maple Leafs fan or you're a Florida Panthers uh, observer, you know the guys that generally get the calls. And, and I think that we got to gravitate away from that. And, and to a point like, I don't see how a, a former coach on TV can tell the world's greatest player what he has to do with his game. I think if you're dominating the National Hockey League and you're the single greatest hockey player in the entire world, I think the guy gets to decide how he wants to play the game. Tr- truth, truth be told. So, I don't know. In the past, guys have had to evolve their games for the team, from a team perspective. Steve Eisenman, I witnessed it. He... he became a more well-rounded player because that's what Scotty Bowman demanded of him. I think Sackick, you can go around the league from, from the guys in the 90s who hadn't won cups and eventually won cups, and most times you can point to the star player willing to do different, more tangible things, blocking shots, killing penalties, and utilizing his skills in, 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 in specialized manner. I don't know if you can, you can fasten that to Connor McDavid. I mean, we, we are not even, we're not even worthy at times to be in the, in the same arena as the guys, so... Uh, he's he's going to play the game, and and I imagine that the league will always address this uh, come playoffs with the usual hand they have is they throw it up in the air and say they're going to you know distance themselves from the calls that were made and the, versus the calls not made and say it's not on us it's on the referee and the time to to see and get a feel for the game. So I hope I hope that we keep continuing with the path we're heading towards is 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 rewarding skill. And if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you should hope that too because. You have an assembly of world-class players that oftentimes play like world-class players, and when they really put it together, they play an incredible team, and that's where they have to gravitate towards. So, uh, no, refereeing, refereeing to me is, is, is subjective, and I don't understand it in so many manners. Wait till we get uh, the 40-year-old in his basement uh, who's going to start giving us the analytics on referees and how many calls they make, who what they call the most hey, on, what zone. Scoutingtherefs.com, hey, I believe what, it exists. Don't, what zone. Don't kid, yourself, don't, don't kid yourself. So I work for SMT, and we went and presented a, the hockey platform two years ago to the Big Ten uh, Conference, College Hockey. Legitimately, we, we gravitated towards they wanted to track referees because they wanted to know not only the, the common calls they're making them, but the teams they're making them against and what players in those teams are they're making them against. So, so it's already out we're there. We're headed in that direction. I'm actually we're, looking yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the regular season stats last season for refs listed like, you know, it's Justin St. Pierre, Dan O'Halloran, Trevor Hansen. It's, you know, goals per game that they ref, uh, minors per game, penalties per game. It's all there. It's well, 
Well, I got a question. Kipper, did you not enter the ice sometimes, not look at a game sheet, get out there for the, for the start of a game? And, and by just the looks, I knew certain guys were going were gonna to not, it's not going to be in our favor that night. Yes. Well, that, that's, that was you, you part just, of the pre-scout, right? You're like, hey, guys, we got uh, Gord Dwyer tonight. He's way more likely to call, like, yeah. you know, ticky-tack calls. I just picked a random guy out of a hat there. Yeah. But uh, on, on, a, on the documentary that the Leafs put out at the beginning of the season, you can clearly see that it's important that uh, they, they know what the names of the referees are. Yeah. I, I, I would tell you probably Absolutely. 60, 70% of the league would not know names today it's it's an asset if you're a skilled player to know what the guy's tendencies are if he's a guy that's a clutch and grabber not saying you're diving but maybe you position yourself or 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 kind of embellish just your arm being pulled all those things are your benefit that's the truth it's just it's it's human nature to know that this guy is always going to ref maybe necessarily towards a home leaning uh calling set (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of what happened over time Aaron, uh, first 20 games of the season, man, I'm, I'm looking at the standings, and I think they might be reversed. I'm, I'm looking the upside down. I see Anaheim. I see Detroit. Um, man, what, what do you make of it? Uh, turnarounds this quickly, or is it just it's still too no. early? So the, the weird part for me is, is I got I to gotta believe that some of these teams are, 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 are frauds, and other teams <laughs> are, are – well, here's the truth. Let's Anaheim. I need a greater body of work. The, the Pacific Division is not exactly laden with quality teams, right? So maybe they've got the jump. The idea that, I mean, for a while there, uh, L.A. and Anaheim, at least 10 games in the season, had like one win and two wins respectively. And now they're all on, they're on a run. I have to believe that, that some of it's going to play itself out and balance it out. I, I, I believe LA is on the right, right head in the right direction. They're getting, uh, you know, contributions from everybody in spite of not having Dowdy in that, in that lineup. Anaheim, I still got, I, I still, I'm, the jury's out for me. I, I'm, I'm not a firm believer yet, but you're right. I look at where some of these teams projected, and I'm not going to even bring up Montreal because that's been that nauseum, but some of these teams, like, where are you? Is it either you're not, you haven't figured out your identity or you were overhyped somehow, some way by the national media, and we've all come to believe that they're going to be better. And I, I believe the dust will settle here and soon. Vancouver. Well, there's no question that. Uh, yeah. Oh, that I, did, okay, yeah, here you go. <laughs> I, I didn't want to come right out and say it, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine there's a lot of people in the West Coast, uh, specifically in that province, feeling the seat uh, they're, they're sitting on getting flaming hot. Well, there's yeah. Again, the salary cap. We we can we can nitpick any team and, and find flaws at this point, right? But it is what it is. Yeah, yeah it is. And it, it, I'll tell you this: it's it's great though that we're out of a pandemic uh, era in terms of how the schedule is working out. Uh, it's very sad, clearly, what's happened to Ottawa. But it's so refreshing to go back and feel like you know you get the full exposure of all the teams playing each other. There's a newness to the league and, and, and a le- my level of investment and in wanting to watch every night and to see the highlights and, and see who's doing what and understand why they're doing it. It's back, right? It was, it was tough in a bubble. It's tough when you're you know, playing the same team 10 times in a season and it's only five teams. So it's, it's great the way the NHL is headed right now. Wardo, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks, Wardo. I appreciate I love it. I, lo- I love coming to the dark side of sports now. Nice. <laughs> Welcome aboard, pal. <laughs> Happy to be there. Happy to and, represent. And we're that gonna guy. we're love gonna lean, we'll lean right back on you soon enough. Thanks again. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks, guys. See you, Wardo. It's always nice when he can describe teams as frauds. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. You know, we, we should all talk on air like we talk about teams off the air. That team's brutal. Don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but hey, I guess I didn't, I didn't last year. Yeah. <laughs> Billy. Hey, truly welcome to the dark side. Yeah, Kipper, thanks, not, buddy. We're not very popular I feel, at times. I, I feel very comfortable here. As you found out at the rink the other day, sometimes we're not as popular as no. you used to be. No, it's okay. Guilty That's, by it's association. Who, it's, it's who I truly am, right? Guys, I I, uh, I forgot about something that I was supposed to mention today. Oh, we we're supposed to tease today. Well, go ahead. We got Leafs tickets today, and I didn't I didn't even talk about it in the start of the show. We talked for forty minutes. I didn't even mention it. Well, you went off on this whole soccer I thing. Know, and you, you know, I know. You know, you memorized it. I got multiple texts about that from friends being like, 
I come here for hockey talk. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, you <laughs> I didn't. Oh, beat it. I, beat well, it. One of them was from a co-worker. One, one of them's from a co-worker. So I won't name his name. But, hey, yeah. Sammy, it's, uh, you know, in a few years, you pass the torch and it's the Sammy show, the real Sammy show. Oh, yeah. Show. And it's yeah, all soccer. Sure. Yeah, It's sure. all soccer. Yeah, come here for your, your soccer uh, your soccer. Okay, talk. what game are we giving away, Sammy? Kipper Bowl tomorrow night. Let me do the read here. So the Maple Leafs and Rangers play tomorrow night, and we want to send you. Please keep in mind, each fan age 12 and older must present proof of full COVID-19 vaccination along with your government-issued ID to enter the gates of Scotiabank Arena. If you want to go, we are taking caller number five right now at one 590 416-870-590 and star 590 for a chance to win a pair of tickets for the Leafs and Rangers. If you're not the lucky winner but still want to come to the action on Thursday or any other Maple Leaf game uh, this season, you can purchase tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Lovely read. Thanks. I was getting a little panicked there because I was had to lean far away from the screen and I was having a tough time. But. So the other night was that Ryan Reeves' first fight as a New York Ranger? Yeah, he just about punched holes in For Pizzetta. good reason, I think. <laughs> I don't think there's many guys who can take him. Well, how about a little Nick Ritchie, Ryan Reeves? Oh, my God. If I'm Nick Ritchie, I am not showing up. I'm I'm not not even looking at him. I'm not even looking at him. You have no idea how tough Nick Ritchie is. Well, listen, last night was eye-opening for me because he he took it to a huge man. I'm telling you right now, Nick Ritchie. Can't hang with Ryan. Yeah, well, he can go him. Yeah? He can go him. I love that Pizzetta. I love this guy. He's a firecracker. He's got the mullet. He's like, I'm going to go the toughest guy in the league. And then he's like, oh, oh, boy. Oh, what I get myself into. You want to see a love swing in a matter of minutes? Oh, would the, would the fans Nick, love it if Richie, Richie caught him with one? And Ryan Reeves. You want to get in the good books? Think about that you one. You know what I'd rather do? Stay in the bad books. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's a beat of sweat you just thinking yeah, about no, it. Yeah, no, I don't have nothing to Call do. Call that a business yeah, decision. Go ahead and boo me. I'll be over here alive. Check's still clearing without me fighting <laughs> Revo, so oh I'll make a business God. decision. I'm so horrible. I'm like... Uh, promoting this i'm like don king now uh, you, i love it i love it get it started you, okay. you would you have done it well i guess you fought all the heavies you fought bob probert didn't you oh yeah i, I think i would have been dumb enough to try it yeah I, I mixed with people i had no business mixing with and obviously it caught up to me at the end of my career well it also gave you uh a, you know a good career too that's a part of you know what, what made you you why thank you you're welcome JB. i'm here for you buddy sam you see that that was extremely sweet. scared to throw me some love, too, there, Sammy. <laughs> Buddy, I love you. Okay, we'll take a quick break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.